in verse 1. And today we're going to look at a legit king. Was Jesus king or was just a phony? So let's look at Matthew chapter 1 in your Bibles there. And let's see what the Lord says, or the Bible says here in His Word. Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Look what it says there in the book of Matthew. It says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now drop down to all the way to verse 17. It says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away to, unto Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away unto Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Let's pray heavily. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, your word still stands and has the power to transform people's lives. And Lord, it transformed my life and transformed the lives of many people here. And through the ages, it keeps on transforming lives. Yeah. Lord, we can either reject it, we can accept it, we can live it. Apply to our lives, Lord. And I just pray today, if there's someone here that never really received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, Lord, if you have any doubt of who Jesus is, Lord, may today may be clear to them who Jesus really is. May they call upon you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So today we're going to look about, we're going to have a series of messages on Christmas. And tonight uh, I'm going to start a new series on the fruit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits, the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to look at every fruit. Uh, but tonight is just an introduction to that. But today we're going to, this, uh, until Christmas, we're going to have a series on the uh, or message on, about Christmas. So today we're going to look about a legit king. So was Jesus a phony? Was Jesus just a guy to show up in the scene and make a big uh, boo boo and whatever you say it, and, and make people believe him, and today we all go through the motion and celebrate this Christmas. Well, today people celebrate Santa Claus more than celebrate Jesus anyway. Uh, it seems like in some places Santa Claus is more popular. Uh, I mean, I'm not down the guy, you know, but uh, if you're Christian, you know what Christmas is about. So, but <clears throat> today we, you know, if you read through your Bible, you, you, you come to the first, let's say you finish the Old Testament, right? And you, boom, you get in the book of Matthew, and you get like a bunch of names that you don't even know how to read. Uh, don't, don't feel bad, because I'm one of them too. We go over there like, when the world you read this name? And you're like, then I have to consult with Brother Tom, because say, help me out with his name. Like, I know where he read these names. Some of them, you know, Americanized names already. And even when Americanized, we have a hard time with them. But then we ask a question like, yeah, I'm going through the Bible. I just skip this chapter. And boom, you go to chapter 2. Because you just don't have time, uh, you know, consuming time with chapter 1 because there's too many names here. But it's about genealogies. And he's like, why in the world Matthew starts with genealogies? You don't even understand this stuff. Well, it is a purpose. Why, you know, it is Matthew, remember, Matthew here is trying to prove a point right here. So God gave us four Gospels, all right, uh, in the New Testament, and each Gospel has its own particular focus. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four Gospel writers, and each one, some people say, well, they contradict each other. That's not true. First of all, you have different people, four people looking 
at the same event from a different perspective. It's like me and you. There's an accident out there. And we all go outside. And I believe me, you come in, if I say, let's read a story about, or read a paper, or write a paper about what happened over there. And now all of us are going to have a different thing. Because you're looking at different angles. The same thing will happen with the gospel here. So, so God gave us four gospels. Mark, gospel presents Jesus as a humble servant. All right, by the way, when he comes back, he's not a humble servant anymore. Luke presents uh, Jesus as the Son of Man. John, literally, we actually even tell new believers to do that. John presents Jesus as God. Amen. You say, whoa, 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 God. The first verse of John, right there, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. If ever you have a problem with that, you have a problem with God. Because let me put it this, John presents Jesus as God in a flesh. So Matthew's gospel presents Jesus as a Messiah and King. So, <coughs> I'm sorry. So today we're looking at a legit King. That's why I choose the book of Matthew, because Matthew presents Jesus as King. So if he presents Jesus as King, that's a good book to start, to see if Jesus was really a legit King. Was he a legit King, or he's just like a make-believe thing? So, throughout his Gospels, Matthew digs into the Old Testament Scriptures to show how Jesus truly is the promised Messiah, and he uses the word king more than any other writer in the New Testament. 22 plus times he uses the word. So he emphasizes this even in the, in the first verse of the gospel, of the gospel, which identifies Jesus as the Christ, that he is the Messiah, a descendant of David, which puts him in a royal line of kings. So you may, may be wondering, why all these names? Matthew showing his readers here, that Jesus indeed comes from the blood of kings. And let me tell you this. As they say, well, I don't have time to read these, word, these uh, names. But they, they are important. If you are a Bible student. If you like to know what God says in His Word. If you're one of this, these people that you walk around and somebody comes to you with some strange doctrine. And you know what you believe. You, you want to know this stuff. It's important. Well, who was Jesus? Just somebody that was born and just, you know. Because some people say, oh, he is the son of God, but he's not God. That's not true. That is a lie. Jesus is God. He is the promised Messiah. According to Matthew right here, he is the king of kings. And Matthew in this first chapter, give us proof of that. He leaves us here with no doubt of who Jesus is. All right, so. <coughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm trying to go with this. But anyway, now, the record of the, those genealogies serves as an introduction to the whole Gospel of Matthew and God's, word, uh, God's uh, uh, providence to the whole New Testament. So, here begins the story of Jesus, and Matthew's genealogy provides the perfect bridge from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You wonder why the, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament? If you don't know, let me give you some food for thought. From the last book of the Old Testament to the new book of the New Testament is 400 years. We call those the silent years. It was a waiting period right there. And Matthew just shows up on the scene with that book. So, you can look at the beginning of each of those sections and you will see what's going on here. We see this, uh, for an example, 
uh, look at actually chapter 1 that says, verse 1 that says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Look what it says. The son of, thank you, thank you. It says, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Did you ever have actually thought about this? How many years passed before Jesus came on the scene and David already died? Why in the world the Bible says the son of David? Now think about it, the son of Abraham, which was born way before David. We're going to get into that. So let's look at this from several points this morning. If you have an outline and like to follow, let's look at this. I have four points for you this morning here. Number one, Jesus' birth is rooted in history. If there's anything this long, the list of names teaches us that Jesus had a past. He didn't just come out of nowhere. Jesus' birth is rooted in history. And through the genealogies listed here in Matthew, we can see that God, through time, continued to work in the line of David all the way to Jesus. Even more, we can trace it all the way back to Abraham. So, somebody said to me, Oh, you told me to read the Old Testament. It's all about the Jewish people. Yeah, correct. But if you read through the Old Testament all the way to the New, you see that God is keeping on preserving His line where Jesus will come from. It was rebellious. It was disobedience. It was all kinds of stuff. But God continued with His plan. You know why? Because God promised in Genesis 3.15 after Adam and Eve fell into sin that a Messiah would come. And through the ages, the Jewish people kept looking for that Messiah. You know what? God kept His promises. And the Bible says, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. And it was right on the money in Bethlehem of Judea. It was written. So, His name is, His birth is written in history. Letter A, the importance of genealogies. Genealogies are extremely important in many cultures. Even in our culture, more people are interested in on researching their family history. The internet, uh, 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 and, and internet tools are available to help you to trace your family line. Many people have done that. Learning your family history gives you a sense of identity. We often call it its roots. It is fascinating to find your place in history. I had a guy in my job that was so... He wanted everybody to know. He said... You know, I come from the line of kings in France. And I look at him, I said, really? And he began to put these names out. And I said, ah, did you find that? <coughs> oh, I'm sorry. He said, I traced my, I went to uh, this website, and I traced my family line all the way back to those, to those days. But it's amazing, it's genealogies, how important it is. Let it be. It is a, uh, establish Jesus through humanity. To, prevent Jesus, to present Jesus as king, it was important for Matthew to start with Jesus' genealogy. Listen, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand who Jesus is so you can know for yourself what kind of Jesus do you worship. You follow that? Was Jesus a phony or was Jesus a legit king? Was Jesus God or was Jesus just a mere man? So it is important for us to understand because, listen, if I come to church and I believe that in my heart that Jesus is God, then I'm going to go and worship Him 
with a vibrant, exciting way because I know whom I'm worshipping. But if I come to church and I worship him as a mere man, then I have a problem. Oh, stop coming to church. Well, yeah, it becomes just religion. So I want you to understand here today. <coughs> I'm sorry. Was he a king or was he not? So he established Jesus through humanity. So it was important to see that he came from the lineage of David, which David is king. By beginning his gospel with Jesus' genealogy, Matthew established Jesus through humanity. Get this. Jesus was 100% God when he was on earth, and he was 100% man. And a couple times through the gospels, we see him displaying his glory. So for people to say he was a good man, he was a good teacher, but he was not God, I got a problem with that. Not only I got a problem with that, the Bible does not teach such a thing. Where we take our, our doctrine from the Bible. So who is Jesus? God or is he not God? Matthew wanted to make it clear that Jesus was not from a pagan uh, mythology, but he was a real man and with a real family tree. It is a, he was a real person with parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters and cousins. There are 14 names from the past list on Matthew right here. And Jesus came, oh, actually, verse 16, the Bible says, look in Matthew 1, 16. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called what? The Christ. Over and over again in the genealogy, we read, this person was the father of that person. That person was the father of this person. But when it comes to Joseph... The father language is missing here. Why? That's because Jesus was born of Mary, not of Joseph. But see, Joseph was just a father figure. He had nothing to do with that. So because by Jewish law, that the head of the family was not less than the father of his adopted child, that, that, and that those children, that he had to, uh, anyway, that the children he had to, uh, uh, Procreated. So Jesus adopted a relationship with Joseph, placed him in a real relationship with all the people who came before him. Jesus' birth is rooted in history. Number two, Jesus' birth is rooted in God's sovereignty. Matthew demonstrates by divide, dividing uh, Jesus' genealogy in three sections of 14 names each. So letter A, the use of selective genealogies here. Before we look at the meaning of Matthew divisions, we must first look at the use of selective genealogies in the Bible. So the Bible often uses selective genealogies to condescend history or historical accounts and to highlight the most important names. For an example, the genealogy in Genesis 5 and 11 are both broken in groups of 10 names each. We need to remember that the ancient world used the word father not only to mean father, but also grandfather and great-grandfather. Or even ancestors. So it was not like today. In those days are different. So we have to, listen, when you read your Bible, don't read your Bible like what the American mind of today. Try to understand the history and the culture of the time. That's why a lot of people make mistakes. Don't Americanize the Bible. The Bible is all Jewish. So if we Americanize the Bible, we get ourselves in trouble. 
So Jesus is rooted in, in Jesus' birth was rooted in God's sovereignty. Let it be. Three groups of 14 generations. Look at verse 17. In all the generations of a, from Abraham to David, are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon, are 14 generations. And from the carrying away in Babylon into Jesus Christ, are 14 generations. So Matthew is very specific here about these generations. Why? There are people who do not believe that Jesus is God. Some people believe that Jesus is a symbol of a religion. That's why we have a lot of religious folks. Do you follow that? Some people have a Jesus in, only in their mind the way they want Jesus to be. But the reality, what the Bible teaches about who is Jesus... Like I said, was he a phony? And Matthew right here, he's making this argument, so to speak, to make you and I understand, when you read it, who Jesus really is. Listen, folks, this isn't about the opinion of man and what so-and-so has to say. So-and-so says this, so-and-so says this. So-and-so. What does the Bible say? We've got to look at the Bible and say, what does the Bible say about this Jesus? Matthew right here is is proving to us that Jesus is God. It's amazing. The sovereignty in God's plan, the the Bible says that God is a spirit. You know, so God needed a a, a human body. He went to marry through the Holy Spirit, and that's how Jesus was born. God had to take a form of a man. It's hard to understand how God could limit himself to such a small estate. So why then does Matthew divide this as genealogy into groups of 14 generations? Matthew speaking theologically here. He's showing that God is sovereign over the stage of Israel's history. Let me put it this way, folks. One thing that we don't understand. You can go back in time. You find the history of America, the history of Portugal, the history of Italy. You go on and you look at sports and history and all this. But you know what? History is about, all about God. All these records of history that we have, they all vanish away. They will. Okay, what are we doing in this time of history right now? What's this part of history? We live in parentheses. We live in an age of grace between Calvary and the rapture. That's where we are, the church age. When the rapture comes, the church age is gone. God's history. And Matthew, speaking right here, try to make us understand about this this genealogies and try to prove to us that who Jesus really is. Because, (coughs) I'm sorry, here's the thing here. God wants you to come to his house to worship him for who he is. You follow that? That's why you go to some churches and feel like God is dead. And he said, it looks like a morgue over here. And some people sing like, oh, 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 oh hallelujah. Are you kidding me? But let me tell you, if God is alive, and if we believe in our hearts who he is, it gives us a reason to sing. Right. 
Number three, Jesus' birth is rooted in God's promises. Matthew not only divides his genealogies in three sections, but each section had to do with a specific person or event in, in Jew, Israel's history. And what is significant about each person or event is that God made specific promises to all three. And all three of these promises had to do with the birth of the son, of, of a son. Sounds like Christmas, doesn't it? Letter A, God's promise to Abraham. Actually, go to Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. God promised to, to Abraham is found there in Genesis chapter 18, verse 22. Let me put it this way. You know what? When God promises a thing, it comes to pass. God is not a God that says like you and me, Oh, I meant this. I said this, but I changed my mind. You know what we do? Did you ever have a friend that you invite to go out to you with you to have lunch with you? And you get in the restaurant, sit down, and the friend never shows up. Then you call him and he said, Oh, I'm sorry, I changed my mind. Wow. If you change your mind, at least you should have called. <laughs> you know? You should have called. At least, you know, I could change my mind too. I always Good. Good. Jill always keeps her promises. Okay, good. So, Jesus' birth is reading God's promises. God, listen, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, they were expelled out of the Garden of Eden, and God made a promise to them there that a Messiah would come. And if you read through the Old Testament, you can see the Jewish people believed that, that the Messiah would come someday. And they looked forward to that. The, the young ladies of Israel, they understood that. A virgin. So they were looking. They wanted to be the mother or the vessel that would be the Messiah. The Messiah would come. You know what? Mary was that chosen vessel. <coughs> I'm sorry. But anyway, here's a promise here. Letter A. God promised Abraham. Look what it says. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. And you say, is that promise came to pass? Go like this with me. Yes, it did. Where's the blessings? We know Jesus through the Jewish people. And Jesus came through the seed of Abraham. The Bible says, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And we are blessed indeed. You know why? Why am I blessed? Because now you have a Savior. Someone that can forgive your sin. And someone that can take you to heaven. So we are blessed through that promise given to David. So, let it be. God promised to David. 2 Samuel chapter 7. The second section began with David. And sure, uh, and sure enough, God also made a promise to David about his son. God's promise of son is found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. It says, And when the, thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for, for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And we, of course, we're talking about his Solomon. Oh, Solomon was that promised son. But let me tell you this here, something. Solomon did not follow God. He started right, but he walked away from God. Solomon is an example of many, many people who... Walked away from God. 
They started good, but they walked away from God. They don't see how can God help them. There are many people like that. They understand God about God. They heard about God, but they don't, they don't understand how God can help them in their daily lives. Solomon was one of them. There's a promise in here too. So let us see. God promised to the exiles. God's promise to the exiles. So there are more, a more section in genealogy. The third section is, is, is on, the, on the exile. And just as God had promised Abraham and David about a son, He also promised to the exiles about a son. We read this in Isaiah chapter 9. Look what says on Isaiah 9, 6. For unto you is born, I'm sorry, for unto us is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So who Isaiah is talking about here? Isaiah is talking about centuries before Jesus was born that he would come. And he came. He came. Why did Jesus come? When we celebrate Christmas, why do we celebrate Christmas? The birth of Christ. It's a celebration, isn't it? We celebrate because we believe He's our Messiah. He's our King. He's our Savior. See, the world does not understand that. No. Oh, it's just Christmas. We're going through the Christmas season. Now it's the holiday season. Let them call whatever they want to call. But we call the birth of Christ. The Messiah. The promised one. That God promised to the world. So here where we see the exiles, the ones that were in Babylon. And they were discouraged and beaten down. And Isaiah comes with that promise to them. Remember. Remember. Don't lose hope. The Messiah is coming. Won't you like those words of hope if you are hurting? The Jewish people were exiled. They were, they were prisoners in Babylon. I believe today Iraq or Iran, whatever, is the land. And, and Nebuchadnezzar was there and took everybody in, in, in the prison there. And here comes Isaiah. Listen. Don't lose hope. He's coming. Listen, folks, you're a Christian here today. Don't lose hope. He's coming. Amen. What do you mean? Jesus is coming again. That's right. Read your Bible. God promised to the exiles. Number four, my last point. Jesus' birth is rooted in God's grace. Amen. We learned this from the, the woman Matthew includes in the genealogy here. It was highly unusual for any woman, listen to this, to be included in Jewish genealogy. And yet Matthew includes four of them. Now if you ask any good Jewish person what four women would most likely be included in the Old uh, Testament genealogy, the answer would be easily Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, uh, you know, Leah maybe. They will be the wives of the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But instead of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, we have Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. Four women with questionable backgrounds. Why? You know what? All of us have a past. All of us have done wrong. These women did very wrong. But you know what? It didn't mean that God could not use them. Actually, God used them in His line all the way until so Jesus could be born. 
Let's look at Tamar. We see this in Genesis chapter 38. Tamar had incest in her background. Judah was her father-in-law. When Judah lost his wife, Tamar slept with Judah and gave birth to two twins. Those, those twins were Perez and uh, Zerah, I believe, and through Perez, a messianic line continued. So Jesus had an incest in his family line. He said, really? Yes, it did. So, but, you know, listen. God's sovereignty and God's grace. Let me put it this way. It is by God's grace that he will forgive you of your sin and make you one of his children. It is by God's grace that he will open the doors of heaven and let you in. Don't you know that? It is by God's grace that you are here today. It is by God's grace that you are living today. It's all God's grace. Because he can take the breath of life away from you in two seconds and your body will drop dead. It is all God's grace. So, Tamar committed incest with her father-in-law. But God used faith. Perez is in the messianic line of Jesus. Number two, Rahab. Prostitution. Rahab was a prostitute. He lived in the city of Jericho. She became the mother of Boaz, the great-grandfather of whom? King David. And you say, wow, mine. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what. If you're not a student of the Bible, you've got to be a student of the Bible. Because it's fascinating to know these facts. So, Rahab, prostitution. She became the father of Boaz, the great-grandfather uh, great of King David. So, Jesus had prostitution in his family line. You want to know another one? Another one is Ruth. Those names are in the genealogies of Matthew right there. Who was Ruth? She was a Moabite. She was outside the family line of Israel. You bring in an outsider in. Aren't you glad you're an outsider and you came in? Aren't you glad that Jesus accepts you no matter who you are? Ruth, the Moabite. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 23.3. And an Amorite or Moabite shall not enter in the congregation of the Lord. Even to their length generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Deuteronomy says that about the Moabites. And Boaz marries a Moabite. Ruth was the one that said to her mother-in-law, your God shall be my God. Where you go, I'm going. I'm not going back to the idols of my people. Folks, let me put it this way. If you read the book of Hebrews, we have almost the same fascinating fact. These people got saved. These people are new Christians. And the writer of Hebrews telling them, why are you going back to Judaism? When you got the Savior... How many Christians have done that? They got saved. They cleaned. Then they go back to the cesspools of sin where they came from. Why? A lack of faith. Listen, if life's going to be hard, it's going to be hard for you, even if you're a Christian and not a Christian. 
But life is much easier to face when we put Jesus in. So we see Ruth, the Moabite. Who's the last woman? Bathsheba. A letter D. Adultery and murder. And then finally we come to Bathsheba. Although, notice Matthew does actually name her, but instead calls her Uriah's wife. This reminds us that not, not, not only of David's adultery with Bathsheba, but his murder with Uriah, of Uriah to cover up his sin. And so Jesus had adultery and murder in his family line. So what we ought to do with these four women in, in Jesus' genealogies? I believe that they are meant to show us that Jesus' birth was rooted in God's grace. Folks, there's no grace. You are saved by grace. Now your grace, God's grace. We don't have no grace to give anybody. But God has grace to give you and me. Salvation is by grace, through faith. That's right. It's not of yourselves. Look what it says. It is the gift of God. That's right. Because if my salvation is based on me, we'll be competing with each other. But let me tell you, the birth of Jesus was all God's grace. You know why? You say, why? We don't think about this. We have a dude out there called Satan. And Satan is that dude, well, he's a, you know, is an angel, fallen angel, on which he, would try, he tried everything to prevent the birth of Christ. And you know what? But God kept his plan. Because the Bible says that Satan is a prince of this world. There's a war going on that we don't see between good and evil. And Satan wanted to prevent anything or everything. He even wanted to prevent Jesus to go to the cross. Because he knew that once he did that, salvation was available to mankind. He lost both battles. And he's going to lose it again. So Bathsheba... Adultery. So, Tamar was a Canaanite. Rahab was from Jericho. Ruth was from Moab. Bathsheba was married to a Hittite. This teaches us that Jesus came from all people, from all nations, just as God promised Abraham so many years before. Keep in mind of that Matthew will later teach us about Jesus. Says In Matthew 9, 13 it says, For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. Some people are too righteous. They're too good for God. You follow that? They're too good, too righteous for God. They do no wrong. They never lie. They never steal. They never do anything wrong. So they don't need God. And Jesus said, those who are sick are those who need a physician. But those who are not sick, I put it this way. Some people complain about, why in the world I have to go to the doctor for a physical? I'm not sick. Why you the world you go to the mechanic to keep checking on your car? You check the oil, you check this fluid and that fluid. Why? So you keep maintaining your car to run good. Well, if you don't keep maintaining your body to run good, eventually you'll break down. So here goes the physical. But people say complain. Jesus said this way. Those who are not sick, they don't need a physician. But he came to those who are sick. Are you sick? Are you sick of this world? Are your life full of trouble? You don't know where to begin? You know what? 
Jesus can help you. I conclude with this. Your life is rooted in history. Your particular life. C.S. Lewis said it this way. I like to say, and we are all sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. Unfortunately, that's not a good thing because when you trace your lineage back to Adam, your history includes sin. The original sin and affects everyone in this line. So if you... Your life is rooted in history because if you trace it back, 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 it goes back to Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve was a sinner just like me and you. And you have a sin nature like, nature like me and you. We have a sin because we inherit from our father, Adam. So our life is rooted in history as well. Your life is rooted in God's sovereignty. Your life is also rooted in God's sovereignty. God is sovereign over all over all the details of your life. You didn't choose your mom and dad. You didn't choose the country you would be born in. God put you there. Is that true? Man, if I had to choose my mom and dad, I would choose the richest person on planet Earth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would choose, you know, somebody had yachts and money in the bank. and I would live on vacation every day. I'm just kidding. I love my mom and dad. But anyway, we didn't choose it. We came to this world naked and we didn't know anything. God's sovereignty. He put you there in that family. Your life is rooted in God's promises. Your life is also rooted in God's promises. yes. We all sinners by birth, but God promised are greater than our sin. He promised Jesus to you and me. That's why Jesus comes. All right. Is he a phony? Is he God? A lot of people think Jesus is a phony. Why do you think people don't come to church anymore? They don't believe in God. Deep down, they don't believe it. Listen, the Bible says, you know, out of the a balance of the heart, the mouth speak it. So, if I say I love Jesus, but I don't do what he says, I really don't love Jesus, it's just lip talking. So we have live in a world today on which people, oh, you want to go to the party next door? We're going to have all kinds of things going on. Oh, yeah, let's go. Hey, you want to go to church with me tomorrow? Oh, you know, I got this going on, that going on. Out of the heart, the mouth speak it. See, your life is rooted in God's promises. Even in the midst of this, even in the midst of this ocean of humanity, it is a promise that God made. What kind of promise is that? If you, by your head, if you in your heart believe that Jesus is God's, and if you call on Him and ask Him to forgive you of your sin, the Bible says, God's promise, I will forgive you. That promise is to you and me, to every human being in the face of the earth. If you die and find yourself in hell, it's not God's fault. It's your own fault. 
God fulfilled his promise. He sent Jesus at Christmas time to that manger many years ago. That was God's promise to humanity. Calvary is a display of God's promise. Because believe it or not, the Jesus of Christmas is the Jesus of Calvary. That's right. And when Jesus sat in that, that cross, it is finished. He's telling you and me, it's done. The only thing you have to do is just believe. By faith, grasp what I give did to you. I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So it is a promise in your life and mine. It's up to you and me to receive it or reject it. I tell you what, I grew up in a church. My mom and dad always went to church. I heard about Jesus all my life. But the first time I walk in a Bible-believing church, where the Bible was open, I tell you what, when I walk out of that church, I knew I was lost that very day. Because I never saw Jesus for who He was that day. I knew about Him. I heard about Him. But I realized in my mind He was just a symbol of religion. And I needed Him as my Savior. I don't know what you have done. Is Jesus your Savior? And your King? Or is Jesus just a symbol of religion to you? Somebody said the other day, I don't go to church because church has nothing to offer me. And I said, that's how far you are from God. And he said to me, where is God? And he's right here, inside of me, through his spirit, trying to tell you, you are far, far from him. Why don't you turn around and come home? Number four, your life is rooted in God's grace. You're looking at a man that battled cancer. And you say, well, praise the Lord for the doctors. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord for God. Even my doctor told me, because I used to drill him with questions. He said to me, you have to understand I'm not God. And I said, I know you're not God. But he's going to use your hands and your minds to take care of me. And he did. You see, I am here with you speaking to you today by God's grace. He took the cancer away from me. And I praise his name for it. I went to see my oncologist last week, a couple weeks ago, whatever that was. And I, uh, I said, Lord, I did all my blood work and stuff. I said, Lord, I want to have something to praise you today. I want to glorify you today. Give me some good news. So I walked out that office. I took with my, my doctor and stuff, and she said, Clean bill of health. You look good. And I was because of praise the Lord. Praise. I mean, and I just go on. You know what? Because it's by grace. You say, it was the doctors. I tell you, how many times did the, I remember my dad went to the doctor. And the doctor looked at him and said, Mr. Barbosa, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do for you. It was out of that doctor's hand. My dad, dad died two months later. Why am I here? I do not know. But one thing I, can, I know is, oh, God's grace. Salvation is by grace. Right. And let me tell you, in the battles of life, in the difficult moments of life, trust God. Amen. 
You say, but where is he? He's right there next to you. Give him your problem. Say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. Please help me. Believe me, he will. He will. Listen, folks, this is the time of the year with the most suicides happen. Because people get so depressed in this time of the year. Why when we have the Lord? Why? God is good. Isn't He good? God is good. Listen to this. You have a place to lay your head. God is good. Is your house warm? God is good. Did you eat this morning? God is good. Did you talk with somebody this morning? God is good. You see, the grace of God, we see sometimes we fail to see how good our God is. And we think it's we have to battle everything. It's not true. It is, oh God, may we open our minds and see the big picture. It's all about Him. It is God. You have a job? It's God's grace. You're paying your bills? It's God's grace. You're healthy? It's God's grace. It's all God's grace, folks. And I finish with this. Are you saved? It's God's grace. Not your grace. It is His grace. Heaven is God's grace. You don't walk in there and say, move out because I move in. I'm moving in. No. He's the one who opens the door for you to come in. Because heaven belongs to Him. That's right. There are many folks who would depart from this world today. Thousands. And that door will not be open. They will hear those words, apart from me, you work of iniquity, I never knew you. Eternal darkness is God's fault? No. It's their own fault. God's grace is available. Why don't you take it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your grace your promises they forever knew Lord we're looking for that blessed hope that Jesus is coming again and Lord help us and encourage us to keep on looking up because one of these days you're going to show up so be today Lord we're ready to go home and Father I pray if there's someone here that never really received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior may today they take you serious. You are a legit king. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.